I meet people here who's been staying here for a while and they go, man, I couldn't live like this. Every day you have a thousand people asking you questions and wanting a piece of you. Yeah. How do you do it? And it's like, I want people to start dreaming. Right. I actually do want the revolution. Not that I want people killed or anything, but I want people to see that the way you are doing your life may not be the only way. Not all revolutionaries wear bandoliers full of bullets. Some of them tend to beautiful little gardens next to a wooden cottage they built by themselves in a neighborhood called Dandelion. That's the kind of revolutionary that Tanya Fox is. Tanya is an old friend of mine who has spent her entire life living a little bit differently in one of the world's most fascinating districts, the Commune of Christiania in Copenhagen, Denmark. As a social experiment, Christiania has been remarkably resilient, a bit of squatted military base turned hippie utopia that has lasted more or less independently for almost 47 years now. As you'll hear in this episode, which I recorded last May, it is under threat like never before, from the twin menaces of a hardcore narcotics trade and increasingly mass tourism. Tanya has seen it all, is scared of nothing, and is one of my heroes. This is Nathan Thornburg, and you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. I'm very happy. It's, <laughs> it's mid-May in Copenhagen, and everything's blooming, and the Japanese paradise apple outside mm-hmm. is like this pink cloud that's like floating behind these picture windows. Um, it's, it's pretty ridiculously idyllic. There's just a lot of birds who are out there singing, and... As soon as we started recording, they just like kicked the volume yes. up a little bit. It's their showtime. It is. I let them know yesterday at a community meeting that we were doing a <laughs> podcast today. So I said, okay, you'll get extra bird seats if you do a little more singing as, tomorrow morning. As with any good intentional community, yeah. the, the birds are also consulted uh, on <laughs> on the uh, the plans. So Christiania, like you said, it's like this, this old military fort. This little community here called Dandelion mm-hmm. in Danish that's Milkebutten. You can't leave. say that, yeah. <laughs> I but Dandelion is this and it's a little community within a community. Mm-hmm. How many people live in Dandelion? About eighty, plus minus eight or something. Um and these are old people, families In this area there's most families. Uh-huh. A lot of people here who has lived here f- since the beginning. Uh so it's very um, sit people uh, have lived here a long time and we know each other on good and bad days we we know each other and yeah it's 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 like a family you know so this is a very special little place to be staying and we're actually podcasting from your guest room which mm-hmm. is where i've been staying for the past three days here and i think uh, it says a lot about you tanya and a little bit of the the ethic of christiania you know we've met five or six years ago and have stayed in touch and your natural response when I said I was coming to town was, hey, come stay with me. Tell me what your relationship is to Christiania and and kind of how it started and how you got here. In the late 60s, the government had a military base in Copenhagen and they realized that having an active military base next to parliament and next to the queen was really stupid um, when you were not best friends with Russia. Uh, so they got rid of the, um, the personnel um, and 
Then they didn't have a plan. They just thought they could leave the empty military base there. I don't know what they were thinking. And they built this to keep the Swedes out. They built it to keep the Swedes out, yeah. I mean, the king did a couple of hundred years ago, 150-something years ago. But then the British bombed Copenhagen. The British bombed, uh, which is... Early early Brexit. Yes. (laughs) Oh, they were, yeah, they were pretty mad at us at some point. I think we're pretty good friends with the English now. Anyway, so this is the late 60s, and in that time, and beginning of the 70s, there was no jobs, no apartments to get for young people. It was really hard to get an apartment in Copenhagen. If you wanted a rental, you would have to be married and expecting. Hmm. And then you could maybe get an apartment. It was really hard to find places to live. Um, And in that period... You know, there was the awakening of the youth in America. Yeah. Women's rights. I mean, all of these new peace and love uh, against Vietnam. Summer of 68. Yeah. This was getting the hang in in Copenhagen in the late 60s, beginning of the 70s. Uh, Lots of political theater and awareness. This area around this um, military base, it was a lot of workers. Yeah. Mostly men. They would go to work uh, building ships, Hmm. big, huge metal ships. And they would live in small apartments surrounding this military base with, I don't know, five kids and no toilets or showers. Uh, They would go to a community shower, a public bath, and they would have to go downstairs and outside to a, like, a loo house. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it was... I think what I imagined the Bronx was like in the old days. You know? Right. Tenement living. Yes. And so these people were actually the first people to get into the, to the base because they, they could see that over the fence from their apartments, they could see this green area with lots <laughs> of empty buildings and no people in there. So they sort of sneaked in and made a little campfire and had a barbecue and drank some beer and stuff and and just enjoyed themselves and let the kids play that is like uh, the origin story for all the great movements you know isn't it just build a little fire just build a little and that's what you do you know and you know play the um, harmonica and have a good time and drink some beer and flirt with your neighbor's wife and you know stuff (laughs) like that and then some young hippie person came by and then it from there just Went really fast. Got it. All right. So the hippie person comes by. Yeah. And then somebody writes a little story in um, a left-wing newspaper. And the and the topic is take bus number eight to freedom. Take bus number eight to freedom. That was the number of the bus at the time to, for this area. And then it went really fast. And my mom came about 10 days that's a, in, that's yeah. the time it, it took for word to get to her. Yeah, and, and, and she was a political activist. And and so she was part of a, a quite famous uh, political theater group. And they had a, a meeting place in another part of town. Yeah. But they came here and, and found that, whoa, this is a great place. But, so there was kind of the art and there were politics. But she was of that era also, I think, where you, you want to live your politics too. Yes. And they did that here. Uh, this dandelion, it's shaped like the houses are around lawn. Yeah. And so every house can almost see each other. And I mean, I'm not saying it was like this all the time, but in general, 
they would sort of, uh, okay, you need to have a bed built. Let's everybody help you build the bed and then we can help the next one. And, and it would also be like this week, it's that person making food. And the next week it would be somebody else doing it. They were sort of sharing the chores. Yeah. Trying to, and, and trying to decide everything uh, around a bonfire. Huh. And I think they were really tired of the very strict way they were brought up. They had a really hard time with authorities. So being a child of that yeah. um, authority was not anything in my life. I don't remember my mama saying no. Huh. It's like it, it was a thing that didn't exist because she just didn't believe in authority way of bringing up people. Yeah. I mean, and she would have been raised during the war or yes. uh, in Denmark. I mean, Northern Europeans are, they don't fuck around when it comes to their children. So it's very interesting to, to see, you know, this group of people who had an allergic reaction. They totally did. I think their mission is absolutely beautiful. I can get all tears in my eyes thinking about it, talking about it. But I think it was a bit over the top and I wish there would have been a little more shape in, I think children needs direction. Yeah. Um, and are these, are you talking about the small things like bedtime and should you brush your teeth? Yes. And, and food. And food. Yeah. Stuff like that. You could actually be really, really tired, but nobody would put you to bed. And you know, sometimes it could be like, hey mom, I'm hungry, but yeah, yeah, but the food is over there. and. The people who were supposed to do the food that day were maybe too stoned or maybe doing something else. I don't know. I have memories of not having food. My mom has other memories, but um, <laughs> and she doesn't like me saying this. And I'm sorry, mom. I love you. Um, but uh, but I mean, but she must also see the difference in the way that you raised your children, too. Yeah, and, because I've been more authority like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had some strict rules and when I look at it today, I think, oh, maybe I could have loosened up a bit. And it was sometimes I was maybe being a stupid mom. Yeah. But you were part of this cycle of action and reaction, yes. I guess. It yeah. was in a reaction to the lack of authority. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I was really bad or anything but i had a few days where i could have done better for sure but I, which parent doesn't have that yeah. I mean, everybody has that um, um so this is interesting so you i mean one of the things that makes you uh unique and pretty remarkable is just to have been a person who was here from the very beginning from you know your earliest childhood you were four when you mm -hmm. moved in um what are like some of your earliest memories here oh well it was um how, how you, it's like ghost town yeah and then there's all this green but everything was clean today you you see the shapes here that are organic and it's not so straight lines it right. was really straight lines because it was a military base so right. the, the streets were straight and the houses were straight and everything was straight and today everything is sort of floating right. curvy paths through the no. uh, tall weeds uh, back then so, so it was really empty and then there was um, would be fireplaces outside, many places because people really like to to sit around a fire. Yeah. Uh, and I remember naked people. Yeah. 
that was also kind of a protest way, just taking your clothes off and showing that you were a free person. Yeah. And for me, growing up, uh, not having um, bathrooms at home, but sharing community bathrooms, I grew up with um, seeing people's bodies as a totally natural thing. Yeah. I'm not shocked when I see an, a naked body. <laughs> to right. me, it's actually more shocking uh, seeing people, how they can cover up sometimes. <laughs> seeing all the stupid things people yeah, wear. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of, when it was summertime here, people would be naked. And here in, in uh, the dandelion, sometimes the ladies or the guys would walk around in a pair of shorts or, or a skirt. And if they had to go down to the small uh, grocery store, that they would take off the, the shorts to go there just to prove that they were strong, independent people, free people. So that's a very strong memory. And then, of course, I knew everybody. And there was no locks on the doors. You could just walk in. It felt very safe. But I think a lot of people from our generation has this memory of freedom. Yeah. That when you leave the house, you leave the house. You know, you come back home when... And, and mom and dad or whoever it is can't control you because right. they can't get in contact with you. So it's like a playground. There was lots of strange things here because it was an old military place. Huh? So there was leftovers from them. Huh. So it was um, exciting to finding stuff here. Yeah, <laughs> you could, uh, you could uh, be scavenging for yes. um, all kinds all of things. All kinds of things, yeah. But then, I mean, we were he definitely here squatters. And the government didn't want us here that much. I understood on the talking of the parents or the, right. the grown-ups. Huh. Did you did you worry about it as I a child? I worried a lot about it. Yeah, I would worry that uh, there wouldn't be a house when I got back home if I went to somebody else's place and hmm. when I went to school, you know. And the government took Christiania to court, and we lost. Uh, we didn't have the right to be here. But then it was called a social experiment, and we were sort of, it was okay that we were here. They didn't put in the police when they won the case, and so they accepted us. So that moment, that would have been in the 70s? That was in the point. 70s, yeah. yeah. Where they had a court order, they could have just come in. They could have just come everybody in. Everybody out. Yeah. But and then they had nowhere to put us. And then they had a couple of hundred uh, uh, young people, you know, speaking their minds. Right. Yeah. Troublemakers. Do, yeah. Doing political theater and stuff. Ooh, and, and taking off their bras in public. And oh, and if they had to put out those in the streets and with kids and it wasn't, that's not a great picture. That's very funny. And, and I don't know how they left us alone. It's weird that they did it because if if we had been Germans and done this in Berlin, it wouldn't have worked. Right. If we had done it in America, I mean, you saw what happened in in the universities. In America. I mean, they shot students, right? They did shoot students. Yeah. yeah if they, if they, we have done this in China, wouldn't have happened. Right. You've done it in Australia, wouldn't have happened. I don't know. I think maybe this is the only place in the world where it actually could happen. Yeah. Um, that that young people squat a military base and and get to stay. Right. It's like. It's crazy. It's a little crazy. I mean, there's other yeah. squads, there's other things, but a military base, that's the government that you're attacking when you're when you're squatting their buildings, right? So that's pretty odd. Going back to when you were growing up, you, you did go to school. 
Yes. Did you go to school in Christiania? No, Christiania never had schools. We had daycare centers, but they weren't sort of uh, organized until I was a bit too old for them. But they were organized and they're still going. We have a center for small kids and for daycare and after school centers. And we have a place for for young people like a club mm-hmm. where they can hang out. Uh, but I went to school outside. I went to a very small school with 120 kids. And my teacher was a, an American communist. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Who came to Denmark. Um, it's the best, actually. He, he doesn't live anymore. He, um, the best teacher I ever had was this guy. He taught me so many things. Mm. Like, if I break a window, you know, he's the guy who taught me how to put in a window. He taught me things that I can use in my life. The other schools that I've gone to, they tried to teach me, you know, to read and write and spell and do math. And yeah, of course, I can read and stuff. But the things they taught me, I never remember that this is something that I learned. Yeah. But that guy, he taught me a lot of things. And yeah. And... As as an American communist, I would assume that he was also good to the children of Christiania. Well, he was good to all kids. Yeah. And he was the type of teacher that would stay at school after work and just tell funny ghost stories. And if the sun was shining a day and it was too hot, he would say, OK, kids, let's go. And we would go to the forest and he would teach in the forest. Huh. He would do math with leaves and trees and sticks. And in the summertime, also, you know, go to the kitchen garden and teach us stuff, how to cook a chicken, you know, how to chop off the head and what's inside it and learn what a chicken looks like on the inside. And and then you have your biology class. And then he was just a living teacher. What about the other students? Uh, Did they, you know, did they did they know you guys were Christianites? Yes, they did. It was a little it was a little bit odd at the time, even though I went to this very special school. At some kids were thought we were weird, and I was bullied for for some of that because I had strange clothes, and you know my mama would make this. When I look at the pictures today, beautiful clothes. Yeah. And today they would say it was customized clothes or right. designer clothes. <laughs> right. Um, and at those days they just wanted to have uh, Wangler or Lee uh, trousers and and look totally like everybody else. Yeah. Um, well, that's a that's a common instinct among kids. Kids. So that was a little bit hard, but um, eventually, it's turned into that now kids are saying, "Oh, you live in Christiania? Can I come see your place? Oh, you're so lucky, because in Christiania we have horses and dogs and rabbits and cats and the foxes outside, and you can have campfires and you can climb the trees and all the stuff that you can't do in an apartment." What did you do when you came out of school then? Yeah, well, um, I moved away from home very early, and people mm. are going to be shocked now because I was 13 when I moved out. And where did you go? I lived just across here. Over there. <laughs> so uh, my mom was living down there, yeah. and so I moved in over there with my... I had a friend, uh, She, her dad lived over here, and so I, I, I lived over there. Yeah. Um, How I did your mom take that? Well... Because of the uh, non-authority point of view, right. she would go, so do you need anything? <laughs> um, you know, I can think today, why didn't she demand me to come home? But I wouldn't. Yeah. You know, I was like, pardon my French, fuck off, mom. You know, I'm going to live my life now. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Uh, 
So she could try to get me home. I wouldn't have gone. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, to be fair, that's something that she instilled in you yes, from a young age. It was. Right, right. So, but she said, if you need anything, you just come around, which was cool. But then I went to school and then I got a job. So you went to school like you went to university? No. No, no, it was just school. It was 13. like a seventh, sixth, seventh grade or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. That job you uh, you were making bro. Yeah, I did. I did sandwiches, open sandwiches. Uh... So you guys, you probably don't know this, but one of the greatest things ever in Denmark are these. Uh, you can say the word. Smørbrød. Smør. I'm not even gonna go. <laughs> Smear bread. <laughs> Oh, that's really bad. Don't, <laughs> don't go there. Smørbrød. Smørbrød is amazing. It's like uh, an open-faced sandwich uh, topped with, like, usually some kind of mix of, like, savory and pickled and, like, creamy. And it's just, like, an absolute uh, pleasure. And you used to make them right down here, downtown. Yes. And your customers were so high that they were just just they taking would, these yes they would inhaling have, them in danish uh, they say flip, which is eating trippy or trip eating or something like that. <laughs> uh, but they would do that yeah and of course um yeah working in a place like that being 13 i mean that wasn't really on the record right right <laughs> but you know i needed money yeah the places need it was not a this was like a wild west town yeah. Nobody had um, a license to sell food or to sell beer or anything. It was yeah. just a little joint that somebody put up. Right. Built themselves yeah. with their neighbors, probably. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting. And I mean, actually, in some ways, it reminds me of my mother, who is, you know, this very kind and gentle soul, but lives in Key West where things can get out of hand sometimes and has lived there since the 70s. And just watching her interact with people who are super drunk or, you know, kind of just out of their gourd or don't take personal responsibility or something, which is just the things that you have to deal with in when you're living in a place that attracts a special kind of person. Mm -hmm. I've seen you, you know, as we're walking around Christiania sometimes and somebody's just going, you know, like, <laughs> you know, some, you know, on some other planet and just kind of, you know, barking or howling or whatever and you have this very calm way of like hey yeah okay <laughs> that's fine yeah have a nice night you know yeah, and yeah. it's like such a it's such a beautiful manner of of dealing with you know people who are in these altered and sometimes even aggressive like little states and i guess part of it is just practice you grew up in a space where some people are super high some people aren't mm -hmm. and you just you know, you never really know and you just... You don't know what to expect. Yeah. I always think the best way of, of meeting people is being positive. Uh, sometimes I have to, to react in a different way and mm. you'll be happy that you don't see that. I haven't, yeah. Um, because if I see somebody being physical yeah. and aggressive, uh, I will react very fast and yeah. I, my voice will go from zero to a hundred in no time. Yeah. I have learned here that the best weapon I have is my voice. Um, and I try, I think, a little bit like the small animals, to protect themselves. They can make a really big noise. And in this place, it's really odd because if there is um, <clears throat> a fight in a bar here, then you don't call the police. <laughs> right. 
You don't do that in this community. You only call the police if there is a murder or, or something like that. It's not common to call the police in this old squad. Um, they do come around a lot. <laughs> but nobody asked them to. Nobody asked them to. I mean, obviously, as a community, there's mm-hmm. kind of a community policing. But just you personally for dealing with life, yes. with people. So you moved out at 13, started selling open face sandwiches to yes. very stoned people, um, <laughs> among other things. Yeah. And is it barter? Is it cash at that it point? It was cash at that yeah. point, yeah. yeah. And it was totally off the rake. Uh, which is, I mean, it's also amazing. You know, the misconceptions that people have about Christiania and Christianiteites is like, it's a deep bench of things that they get wrong about this place. But this idea also that there's not a working culture here. And we have so many businesses. Yeah. Um, and the, everybody pays taxes. And in Denmark, you can't get out of paying taxes. Right. Even if you receive social welfare, you pay tax of that. Right. So nobody in Denmark gets out of taxes. Only this. Right. That's it. You know? <laughs> Fair. Uh, so everybody works. The size of Christiania now, there's how many people are living here? I think about 620, 630 people grown live up, here. Grown and up. a couple hundred kids. Yeah. And and the the land size. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's uh, seventeen acres, I think. Okay, so it's it's sizable. Yeah, it is. Um, and it, the way that it's spread out, it also like gives the impression of more size yeah. because you're really kind of uh, yeah. it's this long thin thing. Um, so you have all of this hustle of activity um, throughout it. So you know when you first come in, most people come in off of. Princess Street, right? Mm, yeah. And that's the kind of main entrance. And this is the place that you call downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, the feeling there is is very different than up here. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have the pink cloud of the paradise apple mm-hmm. outside and uh, the birds are chirping down there. One thing, there's a ton of people because there's visitors, there's uh, people coming to make business. There's, you know, it's just kind of the most dense place. But there's also Pusher Street, mm-hmm. which is both an attraction and an ailment mm-hmm. <laughs> in the community. Um, so I, I, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, and I think I think really probably when people have heard about Christianity, and this is probably true for a lot of Danes, they think about Pusher Street, mm-hmm. not about the, you know, the things that you've been talking about, the extraordinary exceptionalism of this place of, you know, after almost 50 years of independent living, um, all of that is kind of lost in mm-hmm. the, the the main focus, like, that's where you buy hash. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people who get here, also Danes, they come in, they go through Pusher Street, and then at the end of that street, they turn around and they go out because now they've seen it. Right, right. They think, that's it, man. That's that's, that's <laughs> and, the stuff they came for. And the common thing that I uh, hear that now... And I've actually heard this quote quite a few times, but this one was really special. And it's, George, George, it's not a theme park. People actually live here. Uh, By the way, that's Tanya's American uh, (laughs) accent. Uh, Whenever she wants to make fun of American people talking to each other, it starts with George, George. (laughs) And someday some couple with a guy named George walked under your window and left a seared impression in your mind. So here's... George uh, and his wife is telling him, after all, it's not a theme park. It's not a theme park. There are actually people who live here. But Danes have this too. Yeah, yeah. They think that's what it is. They think Pusher Street is Christiania. Pusher Street has nothing to do with the idea of Christiania. Mm. Yeah, yeah, maybe the hippies wanted it legalized and stuff. And I, I don't mind that it would be legalized. I think it's stupid that it's not 
legal people who are sick needs to smoke a joint or something. We're talking about marijuana, marijuana and hash. Because yeah. that's the pusher street. Yep. That's what yep. they're pushing there. Right. right. But I'm against, um, and that's where it makes me an odd person, I'm against capitalism in its raw form. <laughs> Uh, in in that way, I don't mind people making a living, but I think that way of doing it is really against my point yeah. of view. Yeah. And I think people don't need that much wealth. Yeah. I mean, if you have food and stuff, you know, why why do you need more all the time? And I don't. I, yeah, I don't know that a lot of people are having a real good time in Pusher Street. It seems no. like pretty intense, pretty competitive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know the people down there now. I don't like walking through every day. Yeah. But I went through recently, and they offered me marijuana. You know, <laughs> people I've never seen before. Right. And I just looked at this dude, and I went, "Really?" And he went, "Oh, oh, you live here?" I went, "Yeah, man, I do." <laughs> so yeah, I could have been a cop. He wouldn't have known. He didn't. Right. He had absolutely no idea what he was doing. He was just trying to make money. The I mean the context for this is is interesting. I mean especially in the states where we have a combination of incredibly regressive narcotics laws, but also now this kind of growing legalization. Weed is very illegal in Denmark. Yes. Um, Pusher Street is not some sort of you know state sanctioned uh, free fire zone. It's actually just an an illegal drug market that has taken advantage of the kind of insular nature of Christiania to kind of pop up and, you know, they have these incredible, you know, raids that go on where they'll just tear everything down. And then the next day, a few hours later, not yeah. even the next day, as yeah. soon as the police are out, they will start rebuilding and selling again. There right. Is, yeah. Right. So it's just like a little society. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know... You've got your crime, you've got your high aspirations, you've got your yeah. decent people, you've got your confused people. Yeah. yeah, so it's... Yeah. And I think it's it's sad that we use so much time with, with the dealing, yeah. with the pusher street. I think it could be fun using more time on building funny uh, playgrounds or alternative um, old people's housings right. or... or kindergartens or you know i don't know let's you know what's the new thing what's the new right. amazing thing to do you know every once in a while when they're worried about a raid or something they'll come and stash some shit somewhere like yeah. they try to like they try to like it feels like they're trying to drag the rest of the community or maybe it's just by its nature you know it kind of drags the rest of the community into it and, and it has makes you guys have to take a stand people can do what they want, drink wine or smoke whatever. But I'm really tired of Pusher Street. Yeah. I would love it to move to Tivoli. Yeah. Or, or New Harmon. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, and then we could do funny stuff here instead. Yeah. Make art exhibitions or installations or concerts or I whatever. I'm with you. Let's leave Pusher Street behind. Thank you. And go back to... <laughs> And go back to the uh, the nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties. Okay. Did you did you ever leave Christiania? Well, um, yes, I did uh, in small periods, but I always came back. It's like it drags me in. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's like maybe there's a magnet or <laughs> I don't know. It's just pulling me in all the time. It's a tide or I don't know what it is. Something is dragging me in. Uh, I've stayed. 
uh, outside in Copenhagen a few times, uh, and I've stayed with my dad when he was living. Yeah. Uh, he, my dad is originally from um, Los Angeles, and he came because of the Vietnam War to uh, Denmark. He didn't believe in killing. Um, and when he had been here for 11 years, he immigrated to Australia mm. and had a farm there. And so I've been there as well. Yeah. So, so, so I commuted between here and there. This is this is just one of Tanya's secrets. Is uh, it's, it's an open secret. One of the reasons why she does that George accent so well. <laughs> Tanya is an American with an American passport. And a Danish passport. And a Danish passport. An American family. Uh but you never, you never were sort of called to try to live there or Australia or. No, um, no. My father at one point wanted me to come live in Australia. I mean, speaking about unusual childhoods, like they sent you around the world by yourself when you were nine. Yes, I flew around the world when I was nine on my own. To visit your dad in Australia. And then afterwards, I flew to America to see my grandfather, and then I flew home. Yeah. They actually sent me home three days before my mom expected me. Um, so she had a shock when she came home and I was in the apartment. <laughs> okay. Better three days before than three, <laughs> three days, days after. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know. Uh, I, I did some funny things in my life. And uh, I think that it made me willing to be open-minded. Sometimes I can also have... Um, Prejudice, yeah. Because you do. I mean, that's a normal thing for per, for people. But because of the childhood here and the upbringing, um, other places in the world, my father took me traveling all over Asia when I was a kid as well, and and seeing that makes me like sometimes I have to stop myself and go, oh yeah, it's right. I just have to see here people have a different culture than me. Yeah. And that helps when you live in an odd place like this. Right, because you're constantly being tested to, to every day about that concept. Like, how open can I be, like, to yes. other people? Yes, and what is happening with them? Yes, um, and what does it do to me as well? Yeah, and they go, man, I couldn't live like this. Every day you have a thousand people asking you questions and wanting a piece of you. Yeah, how do you do it? And it's like, I want people to start dreaming. Right. I actually do want the revolution. Not that I want people killed or anything or I but I want people to see that the way you are doing your life may not be the only way. Hmm. To be open to change. Yeah. And I'm not saying our system is the best at all or the the Pakistan uh, way is the best system or the Russian way or the American way, but I'm saying maybe in Pakistan they're doing something at in some way that I could use. Yeah. Maybe in Russia they're doing something that I could use. Maybe in America. Yeah. They have and if you can take the best from everybody, then you can start creating a life that would be amazing. Yeah. Well it's even I mean just opening the idea it's just about a different way of living. And totally. that, that 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 could be a thing that people could entertain. Yeah. Um and revolution is just change of system. Hmm. And even though I'm really sick of tourists, I want them to come and have a picture to take home or an idea to take home that the way they're living, maybe they can change it. Because if everybody change a little bit, yeah. you might have the butterfly effect. Right. Does it sound weird? <laughs> maybe it does. I don't Maybe I'm just a dreamer. You know, it's just... 
But you're not the only one. I had to do that. I... I mean, it's one of the things that is different, I think, from the last time I visited um, when I was here uh, with you five or six years ago is there are actually a lot more tourists in this part of Christiania. Mm -hmm. Like it's much thicker. And so you have this. But you were just saying, and I think rightly so, is like it's silly for people to come into Pusher Street and then turn around and say that was Christiania. Mm -hmm. Like actually this to me is like this is the real Christiania. Mm -hmm. You're just like people trying to live life. In a little different way to figure out how to get along with each other and make decisions in a way that's not top down. And, you know, all of those mm. like really good, valuable, fascinating things, they happen here. Mm -hmm. This is the main business of this part of Christiania. It is. But Pusha Street is also a part of Christiania. So it's also real. But the, but it's right, but it's right. not the it's not the developing of a community. Right. It's so, not. Right. It, yeah. But so you have a lot more people who are coming up here and it's a pain in the ass. It's, totally. Yeah. I mean, so tell me, it feels like they're, I, I think, you know, like twin plagues on Christiania. Twin plagues. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. You've got the Pusher Street, you've got mass tourism. So tell me, tell me about the tourism and like what, what that's like living here um, and why it's actually so much more pronounced, I, I guess, even than before. Since here. we bought Christiania about six years ago, um, now... The, the public, the Denmark, the state, they can also go, oh, this is Christiania and show it off because now we are being integrated, we are being normalized, hmm. we are being a part of Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. We should take a moment to talk about having <laughs> bought it because that's the moment that I was here and the story that I did. And am I a part owner of Christiania? I bought some you of bought this a stock. Share, yeah. But your share doesn't give you any rights. Fuck. It's, yeah. Fuck. All right. <laughs> I need because to... it's the only share in the world is not worth anything. My my it's... investment advisor is getting fired. Yes. Uh... And the shares of Christiania is um, not even worth the paper it's printed on. <laughs> it is it's... actually gorgeous paper. It's gorgeous paper. Yeah. Um, it's um, it's a donation paper. It says that you made a donation to the foundation of Christiania. Yeah. But it and says it in Danish, so it I... All, it's also in English, oh, actually, if you look man, at it. I have no excuse, then, um, <laughs> for misunderstanding and, the nature of my relationship. And, um, <laughs> the money just goes into the foundation that pays the government. Right. That's it. And it was essentially a deal with the government to raise money, enough money to buy this land, yes. and then kind of, like, normalize all the structures of ownership yes. and renting, yes. and yes. Um, so that you wouldn't have that eternal squatter's fear yes. in perpetuity. But, and it also means that... For example, here we are sitting in a, what's this called? The, it's like an attic room. But it's built, the, the windows here yeah. are something that me and my ex-husband put in. Okay. And we built it before this agreement with the government. And after that agreement with the government, this building has been preserved. Mm. And luckily we had these windows made before, because if we hadn't done that, then we wouldn't have been allowed. Really? So no so more, no more of this cannot, funny business. Now you cannot just build with, because in Christiania, it's like, oh, I live in the small where, house wagon. I want to have uh, put an extra room on. I talk to my neighbors. We have a small meeting. Everybody f likes it. Or maybe one neighbor says, oh, could you move it a little bit west? Because then, the, then I can get my evening sun. And then, okay, you change the drawings and then go ahead. You right. build. Yeah. Huh? But now 
you have to have the permit of the government. To wow. Build. Yeah. And if you don't yeah. have that permit and they find out, which they do because they take pictures all the time yeah. with drones and with, I mean, they do it all the time, they will find you. Yeah. They'll come for you or they'll yes. tear it down. They will come for you and yeah. they will give you a huge fine, mm. like uh, 50,000 or 100,000 a year. Wow. Which is like, it's insane. Um, we made an agreement, so that's where we are now. Now right. we don't have that kind of freedom anymore just to, and that's why you see funny houses here because people were building, you know, they, yeah. had, they had no clue what they were doing. They had a dream. Uh, they bought a, an old uh, wagon and they started building right. and it ended up being a castle and they were carpenters suddenly because they taught themselves right. how to build. This is not happening anymore. It, in that way, Christiania was like the Wild West in the old days. Yeah. You know, the, the Scandinavian people coming or people from all over the world coming to America with a little horse wagon. Yeah. And, oh, I want this piece of land and, oh, I'll build a house here. Right. And you have a funny building. Yeah. yeah? This is what it was like. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole other set of stories about the building and the architecture yeah. and, and city a, planning here. It's amazing. When you look at that, it's wow. Yeah. But that is that chapter and that book has closed. Although there is a few houses that we already tore down. Uh, we took down seven houses and rebuilt five in other locations. And in another couple of years, there is houses further out in the, in the green area. Yeah. That has to go. Now those houses are being torn down and They have moved. to go. Yeah. Not right now, but very soon. Yeah. And so, of course, we can't take people out of the house. We have to rebuild the house for them in another location. Yeah. And that's really tough. Some people have made those houses by themselves from right. scratch. Yeah. yeah. And it's a lot of emotion to yeah. take somebody out of their house uh, in that way. But that's the deal we made. So... You made this deal, and that also means now that the city of Copenhagen can turn around and sell Christiania as a as a distinct experience for visitors, mm-hmm. um, and they they've been successful in doing that. They have, and now it's on everybody's bucket list. Yeah, come see Christiania. Yeah, so you have this like confluence of things. You have you know the kind of increased visibility from the tourism board perspective, and and you know by the way like just all over Copenhagen. It's just jam-packed with people. Yeah. It's insane. The mass tourism coming here is is intense and, and Christiania is, is now a part of that. But you also have a time when everybody has a camera in their pocket and wants to take, you know, 100 pictures a day to prove that they were somewhere. And I've heard you kind of talk about this. It's like, it's not a petting zoo, <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. Um, like, you're actually living here and yet you see it like people are just kind of coming through and looking through your windows and yeah. saying like, is this a Christianity at home? Yeah. You know, like, but, but I don't know if you noticed, but downstairs, it wasn't like that when you were here the first time, but now I have plastic on the windows mm. uh, that you can't see through Yeah, because I was just sick of having people pointing their, uh, you know, looking through the windows and also taking pictures through the windows yeah. into my house. Yeah. And yeah. You know, I have this funny sign, beware of a grumpy old lady hanging yes. outside. Yeah. But I don't want to be the grumpy old lady. Yeah. And it's not the person, it's the amount. Yeah. If I talk to every tourist, I bet they're nice people. Yeah. You know, right. they're nice people from Hungary or nice people from France or 
But the amount of them and all of them asking the same question, even though I believe that there are no stupid questions. <laughs> but when you've heard the same questions a hundred times a day, you get tired. Right. And I'm not good enough at giving out information. That's the thing. And that's the thing in Christiania that we have to deal with. I think we should be much better at guiding the tourists. Right, right. I mean, we should have signs up or, or, or small things that you can, you know, for your bloody mobile phone to, to scan. Right, what right. What are they called? The, the QR small... codes yes. or something. Yeah. That, you know, that you could just do that. But in Christiania, there's some um, people make obstruction when you they say, oh, that's too commercial. Right. We shouldn't do that. That's too commercial. But they're here already. Right. You know. Has anybody thought about limiting the number of visitors? Is there but, any possible way? You can't way? do that because it's a public area. Yeah. Right. We had a couple of years ago. We closed for a week, and we closed all the gates. Huh. You know, we we yeah. barricaded it, and they freaked out. The 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 people in parliament, the most conservative right wing uh, <laughs> Danish Folkeparti, who are like uh, they. They hate foreigners. They hate everybody. Uh, they normally they hate Christiania. They said, "Open the bloody gates!" You know, like <laughs> this is a public area. You cannot close it off. I thought they would be happy that we closed. Right, <laughs> right. So you wouldn't spread your message yes, of yes. peace and love. Um, but so but they wanted the money. They wanted the tourism. Open it, and the locals outside, all yeah. the small uh, uh, businesses, they yeah. were like, "Hey, man, when are you going to open? Because we are losing business because." Right. When when tourists are not coming, they don't buy stuff in Seven Eleven. They yeah. don't buy stuff in the supermarket. Right. They, so you're like unavoidably a incredibly valuable part of, of this course. city. Of course. Um, it's interesting because like even just handing them a card when they get there that like has some frequently asked questions, and then maybe just a a, a gentle reminders that you know try not to like stick your head in people's windows i think i yeah. think the real simple one would be you know uh, take nothing but pictures leave nothing but footprints and kill nothing but time you know, that would be like a sign that would be very good at each entrance here it's a very special place i wish there was a way to communicate that and contribute you know i mean which is i guess part of what we can do with this this podcast but just kind of contribute to the understanding without making your life tougher. That's, yeah, and that's I don't know how, how to do that. I think everybody who travels, myself included, has to remember when we go traveling, we are tourists. And we are a little bit like water. We get in everywhere. And when we do that, we have to do it with respect. We have to remember that people have a life and we might not be the first ones there. And really treat locals with respect. But travelers, just have in mind that when you go visit someplace, you are a guest. That's that simple. Very simple. Thank you for being so open when you could have been very tired of people like me. <laughs> um, I feel very, uh, very fortunate to, uh, to be in your life. I appreciate it. The trip is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg, produced by Roads and Kingdoms. Taffy Mokanyadze is our editor and our Lydian Stone. Emily Marinoff is our producer. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Music by Dan the Automator. Over on roadsandkingdoms.com, we've published a heartfelt essay from chef and humanitarian and friend of the podcast, Jose Andres, who's been feeding migrants and federal workers alike this month. 
We need shorter walls, he writes on Roads and Kingdoms, and longer tables. Amen. Next week on the trip, it's that artist, the one fast company called the Illustrator-in-Chief, the one I thank every week on this podcast for doing our logo and our art. You've seen Adele Rodriguez's work, not just here, but on magazine covers and posters everywhere. The one of melting Trump, the president in a white Klan hood, the president holding up the severed head of Lady Liberty. But you may not know what all of that iconic work has to do with Adele's childhood in Cuba. Only uh, I can do this kind of stuff that I'm thinking about because of my background. I can tie the stories together. I know what a dictatorship was, and I can see how this can become one slowly. We'll meet you there. <laughs>